Be still and know that God is here. Be still and know that God is here. Be still and know that God is here. In the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Amen. Sometime when the river is ice, ask me mistakes I have made. Ask me whether what I have done is my life. Others have come in their own slow way into my thought, and some have tried to help or to hurt. Ask me what difference their strongest love or hate has made. I will listen to what you say. You and I can turn and look at the silent river and wait. We know the current is there, hidden, and there are comings and goings from miles away that hold the stillness exactly before us. What the river says, that is what I say. Good morning, my beloved friends. In this beautiful poem by William Stafford, we hear the poet urging us to ask the question whether what we have done is our life. When I first heard this question, it didn't make sense to me. What else would the poet's life have been other than what he has done? But there's something deeper being asked, isn't there? And I believe that that something deeper will help bring us to the end of this sermon series in which we have been exploring the seven spiritual practices making up the rule of life called the way of love. Each week we have explored one of these practices, inviting, engaging, and embracing their particular invitation, offering ways to transform our daily lives. If you have been with us for the past seven weeks, I suspect you could probably recite these stops along the way with me. Turn, learn, pray, worship, bless, go, and rest. During our stops along the way, we have lingered a bit at each of these practices, seeing in our mind's eye a cairn a little pile of rocks left by someone who has traveled ahead of us helping mark the way. A couple of weeks ago, we were surprised to come upon a door rather than a pile of rocks, but regardless, each week we have followed the path offered by our presiding bishop, Michael Curry. In the companion book we have been using each week for deeper conversation on Wednesday nights, The Way of Love, is described by Bishop Michael Curry this way. This way of love, he writes, is not a mere sentiment, but a real commitment to a way of life that is both sacrificial and redemptive, a way that seeks the good of God and the well-being of others. Jesus founded a movement that is revolutionary when it is lived. For centuries, these practices have helped to draw those who engaged them into a loving, liberating, and life-giving relationship with God, with others, and with God's creation. 
So here we are now at our last stop on this journey, looking at our final cairn with the beautiful, if not sometimes challenging words, reminding us of the spiritual practice of rest. So back to our opening poem and the question being posed by the poet when he writes, ask me whether what I have done is my life. Another way to hear these particular words is offered by someone who I have found to be a wise and a wonderful teacher, a prolific author and activist, Parker Palmer. Palmer uses this very poem to begin his wonderful meditation on discerning vocation in a little book entitled, Let Your Life Speak. Throughout the book, he asks the question in a slightly different way, and a way, I believe, offers us a beautiful invitation this morning into exploring the spiritual practice of rest. Palmer encourages his readers to ask the question this way. Is the life that I am living the same as the life that wants to live in me? Is the life that I am living the same as the life that wants to live in me. Inspired by the profound writings of Trappist monk and mystic Thomas Merton, who wrote that our journey is a striving to live an undivided life, Palmer is inviting us to a commitment of discerning true self and true purpose day by day. Another way to ask the question may be this, are the words and actions in my life consistent with who I truly know I am and yearn to be? Or are we being our most authentic selves, living with a true purpose and clarity? So how does this invitation relate to rest as a spiritual practice or discipline? Standing in front of this particular cairn, this little pile of rocks, I am reminded of the different ways we might think about rest. First, we might start with our word Sabbath, which comes from the Hebrew word Shavat, which means most simply to rest. In both Jewish and Christian traditions, observing a time of intentional rest is traced back to the story of creation in Genesis in which our scriptural narrative of origin tells us that on the seventh day, after completing creation, God saw it was good and rested. And while that precedent is pretty powerful and may be enough for some, I need just a bit more today. I find myself looking for something a little more grounded, a little more imminent, a little more earthy. And so for today, I lift up Parker Palmer's question, is the life that I am living the same as the life that wants to live in me? And then I turn to the gospel reading we just heard from the gospel of John and invite us into a slightly different way of thinking about the spiritual practice of rest. Today, I want to focus on rest as a form of spiritual surrender. Today we hear a story that is told in all four Gospels, which if nothing else, tells us that it was an important teaching at the time, even if every account in each of the Gospels differs ever so slightly. The story of the feeding of the 5,000 is chock full of so much 
But for today, I want to focus on just one element of the story. I want to lift up what Jesus asked of his disciples in the moment, at least what I hear him asking implicitly, and that is to let him drive, to let him lead, to let him call the shots, to spiritually surrender to what otherwise would have been seen as an impossible task with potentially disastrous outcomes. In this version of the story, Jesus himself takes the loaves and bread and fishes and after giving thanks, feeds the people directly. In other versions, Jesus tells the disciples to go and feed the people, but regardless of which telling, in all of the tellings, too little food is offered, and yet in the end, not only is everyone fed, but there is more than enough left over. Every version of this story in scripture always has me wondering the same thing. What must it have, must it have taken inside each of the disciples to go along with this crazy plan? And the only answer I can come up with is the same answer I come up with when I ask myself about what it will take for me to embrace the spiritual practice of rest, spiritual surrender. So many of my sermons begin with the short song, Be Still and Know That God Is Here. Be still and know that God is here. That takes spiritual surrender. If at the end of the day I am even remotely interested in living the life that wants to live in me, I feel that each of us, and I'll say me at the top of the list, I am called to practice the daily surrendering, spiritual surrendering of what it means to rest. The invitation to surrender to whatever is keeping us from the sacred pattern of balancing our important ministry, our important work with the important practice of rest. Rest, we will hear, is an important rhythm in our lives. Just as it is the end of one endeavor, it is the beginning of another. It is, in my mind, a kind of spiritual surrender and one that the disciples must have also been challenged to practice day by day as they followed Jesus, moving quickly from place to place throughout his ministry of healing and teaching. So in answer to Parker Palmer's question, is the life that I am living the same as the life that wants to live in me? I believe the answer will and can be yes more and more through embracing all seven of these spiritual practices and maybe more so than any other, this sacred practice of rest. I call this practice out as one of requiring significant spiritual discipline at times. I suspect I am not the only one with the tendency to overlook the importance of being overdoing at times. It requires much of our egos at times to submit to a more humble posture, to recognize and embrace the magnitude of God's love and the simple belovedness of who we are from the inside out, rather than due to anything we could ever say or do. So thank you for joining me on this journey. 
May we continue to integrate each of these ways into our lives individually and collectively as a community of faith. May we practice them as followers of the way so that the lives we are living are indeed the same as the lives that want to live in us. And may we continue to engage each practice as ways of living into a loving, liberating, and life-giving relationship with God and with others and with God's creation. I want to end this series with one of my favorite prayers that comes at the end of every day from our beautiful Episcopal tradition. It comes straight out of our Book of Common Prayer and is included in the service we call Compline, the final set of prayers that are offered at the end of each day. It is, for me, one of the most poignant and daily reminders of a place in the world in which we have to do the work that we have been given to do, and then the call at every day to end every day, putting everything down to rest in God's love. A reminder to spiritually surrender day after day to the one who calls and loves and cares for us just as we are, things done and left undone. Pray with me. Keep watch, dear Lord, with those who work or watch or weep this night, and give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend the sick, Lord Christ. Give rest to the weary. Bless the dying, soothe the suffering, pity the afflicted, shield the joyous, and all for your love's sake. Amen. Be still and know that God is here. Be still and know that God is here. Be still and know that God is here. May it be so.